You're listening to Faith FM, and we have been talking about the sanctuary service, the sanctuary building and its services here on our Encounter with God section. This morning, we're going to take a little bit of a break from that. We're going to talk about something different. Uh, We've been talking a fair bit about uh, sacrifices and various pieces of furniture (laughs) within the sanctuary. And uh, yeah, I thought we'd take something, have a bit of a break on this Thursday morning and, uh, um, and just see how we go from there. Now... We're going to talk about the law of God today. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote a great deal about God's law, Mm -hmm. um, and he makes it clear that God's law presents us with a very, very serious problem. Christopher, what is that problem? Well, I think the possibly the best way to answer that is by looking in Romans chapter Mm -hmm. 7. Romans chapter 7 and verse 14, here is what Paul says. Okay. Uh, He says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. And then he says in verse 20, Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Okay, so this whole passage through here through Romans is like, oh, I, I want to do this and I do this and I don't do what I want to do and I do what I don't want to do. Yeah. He's a very confused individual coming through Romans 7, isn't he? It, it is incredibly difficult to read that little <laughs> passage. But yeah, essentially he's describing this struggle going on. He goes, I really want to do the right thing and I know what it is, but... I can't do it. I always end up doing the thing that I hate, the thing that I know is wrong. Um, And so he presents this problem of humans, we are sinful, and so we are always drawn towards uh, doing the wrong thing. So the problem with the law of God is not the law of God. The problem is with us. Exactly. We don't have the power to keep God's law. Yes, we are like kind of driven (laughs) to break it. (laughs) As human beings, it is impossible for us to keep the law of God. Yeah, that's it. Hmm. Uh, Okay, so in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What hope does Paul give to us in this passage here? Well, he gives us the hope of being able to uh, look innocent in the eyes of God's law, which sounds... So we just, do we only look innocent? That's a good question. Well, uh, well, yeah, the this guy on the spot, uh, a grilling this morning. This is this is the the morning grilling of Christopher. I feel like this is a common occurrence. That's all right. That's all right. It uh, brings forth character, character yeah, building. Uh, but in the passage, it says, "Yeah, those who are in Christ Jesus." Uh, and again, you are free in Christ Jesus. So, if we think about what we've been discussing with the sanctuary, uh, Jesus' sacrifice allows for the forgiveness of sins. And we discussed in depth yesterday uh, why Jesus' death specifically allows that. Mm -hmm. And so though we have broken the law, if we accept the sacrifice of Christ, God is able to look no longer at us and our sinfulness, but able to look at uh, Jesus and his perfectness, his uh, innocent, you could say, record. He has no crime record uh, against him of violating the law. Okay, so if, God, if, the, if the blood of Christ uh, cleanses us from all sin and, and, and forgiveness, forgives us of our sins that we've committed, then uh, is it one of these situations where it's like, well, we just simply don't need to worry about uh, sin? We don't need to worry about breaking oh, the law? Uh, it's just like, um, you know, just go hard, break well, the law of God, why sin, st- as, mu- sin yeah. as much as you want. Why stop sinning when he keeps forgiving? <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, the more, the more you sin, the more grace there'll be, so uh, we want lots of grace, right? Well, I think if you uh, think of it in relational terms, it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think of your... Uh, relationship with God like any other relationship. Okay, so uh, uh, Lyle, let's say you and your wife. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
one of you did something wrong and then you go, well, you know, my wife's going to forgive me any, every time. So I'll just keep, you know, pushing her and prodding her and being annoying. You would say that is an unhealthy relationship. Yes, it would be a very toxic relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and so in the same way with God, uh, it doesn't make sense to keep violating God's law and to keep doing things which harm or hurt him. In fact, uh, Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments or obey my law. Sure, sure, um, sure. So it only makes sense that when we are set free by... Okay, wait, 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 wait yes. a minute. Are you then saying that we can obey God's law? Because a little while ago you said we can't obey Ooh, God's law. Okay. okay. You, I'm confused. Can we or can't we? How are we going to solve this one? All right. So, uh, if we go back quickly into uh, verse 14 and 15 of chapter 7, Paul mm-hmm. talks about this idea of the flesh. And then again, uh, in 8 verse 1, you mentioned it before, uh, there... Uh, he. It talks about the spirit of life being in people. Okay, so we've got a contrast between living in the flesh and living in the spirit. Yes, and okay. so uh, even uh, later on in uh, chapter 8, it says... Oh, verse 4, verse 4, read for us verse 4. Yes, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Yeah. And then in the following verses, it talks about having a new mind, uh, not a mind of the flesh, but of the spirit. And mm-hmm. uh, in Jeremiah, uh, I'll forget the, I forget the reference you might remember, though, uh, it talks about being given a new heart, uh, not one of stone anymore, but one of flesh. Now, yes. not to be confused with f- <laughs> flesh in opposition to the spirit, but a, a heart which is receptive to God's love. Yes. So flesh is used in a number of different contexts, and context always uh, will define for us. When, when flesh is used in contrast with stone, then it's talking about um, one that, uh, that 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 can be influenced by God when flesh is used in contrast with spirit, it's talking about stone. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's not confusing, is it? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that's how uh, we can uh, experience that. We can begin to go through that process of gradually uh, doing what God wants from us. If we love God, we want to do what he wants from uh, from us. So it just makes sense. It's a, it's a natural consequence, I think. Okay, so, all right, we can obey God's law through the power of the Holy Spirit, but will our obedience ever be enough? Is it, is, is, is it ever good enough? No. Uh, our, uh, Paul says uh, later on uh, that all of our works are like filthy rags. Mm-hmm. Um in the, in the same way, okay, I'm an Australian citizen. Everything that I ever do will be done as an Australian. I'm also a sinner. So everything that I ever do will be done as a sinner. So even my good works uh, are tainted by the fact that I am still a sinner. And so uh, Paul also says, no one can boast in their salvation uh, because salvation does not come through works. You can't be forgiven by doing a whole lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it requires that you keep the law perfectly, and since we haven't done that, that's why we need Jesus as our representative. Mm, okay, so um, some suggest that Paul... In fact, if we go back to um, Romans chapter 7 and verse 12, let's pick this up, up right here. Sure. The Bible says, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. And that can never be said about a human being, can it? There's a contrast here, isn't there? Mm. Yeah, so having um, some suggest that Paul is doing away with the law in uh, the book of Romans. Is, is that what you find taking place? Uh, I can't think of a justifiable reason for why he would be doing that in, because uh, Paul seems to uh, encourage those uh, who are reading his book to keep the law to the best of their abilities. Uh, again, not because uh, it leads to salvation, but because 
it is something that we should want to do for God now that uh, we are set free. Maybe this is something that you've got to you've you've got some thoughts on. Was the law of God done away with it? Was it nailed to the cross? Or does God still call us to keep His law? Give us a call on one eight hundred three two four eight four three. Share your opinions and your um, passages of the Bible, or send us a text message zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. And maybe your question can be the question of the day if you've got a question on this or a comment that you'd like to make um, or you can simply pop it there in on Facebook. And, uh, yeah, we would love to interact with you here on Faith FM. Actually, before we uh, come to uh, finish this little segment, we probably should cover our quiz question again while we're getting the numbers out there. All right. We have not yet had an answer, so you still have an opportunity to answer the quiz and get yourself a prize. Here it is. What book am I? There are more references to demons in this book than any other book in the Bible. Clue number two. This book was written after its author had investigated everything from the beginning. And clue number three. With 1,151 verses, I am the longest book in the New Testament. Call us in if you think you know the answer and you can win a prize here on Faith FM. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so coming back into uh, Romans, we've got Romans chapter 7 here and verse 13, and it says this, Was then that which is good made death unto me? (sighs) Paul, why does he always have to (laughs) write it in such tongue twisters? So why is that which is, why is the good thing made death to me? God forbid. Hmm. But sin, that it might appear sin, or actually be able to see sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment by, might, might become exceedingly sinful. Okay, just, 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 just take us a moment to explain <laughs> to what on earth yeah, is yeah, Paul yeah. talking about right here. Let's maybe, maybe we should work our way back through this first. Okay. Um, he has just said in verse 12, the law is holy and just and good. So if the law is holy and just and good, and yet the law condemns us to death, because the law says you are a sinner, um, you are condemned to death. The mm. wages of sin is death. He's just said that in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. So the good law becomes death to us because, so the law that is holy, just, and good becomes death to us because it condemns us. Yes. Uh, but sin is like, well, you know, this is, this is, this is not a, uh, uh, but sin that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good. So sin, so what the law does is it reveals the sin that is working in us and that is causing death in us. Mm. Um, and that is revealed by the law that is good. Yeah. Uh, it, interestingly, I love the way that sin here is almost uh, personified. It's like it's taking opportunity uh, with your failings. And again, the law is good and holy and perfect, but sin comes in and kind it's almost of, like it's almost like both of them are personified, isn't it? It is. It yeah. is. Uh, and you get like a similar illustration of that. Uh, you'll have to jog my memory. I forget where it is, but it talks about uh, Eve being tempted by the serpent, uh, the serpent here in Romans as well. Mm-hmm. And again, this idea of sin taking opportunity. Uh, through the law, condemns uh, humanity. Mm-hmm. But the law is still perfect and good and holy and righteous. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as we said, the problem is us. We just uh, we fail to live up to the standard or the measure which the law gives us. Okay, so here's another interesting question. I'm going to just toss out for discussion, and maybe uh, maybe you'd like to give us a call on this one, 1-800-324-843 or 0491-064-669. Share us your thoughts and your opinions on the open line, and we would love to... 
um, we would love to share this morning. Okay, so this is the this is the question. There's an anti-law sentiment sentiment in Christianity generally. So generally speaking, you'll find people who will say that uh, the Ten Commandments were nailed to the cross. Sure. Okay. Uh, you'll find that you know it's, it's done away with. We're not under the law. All these kind of things. Um, grace has done away with the Ten Commandments over and over and over again. You'll hear this, but the reality is that. If Christians are honest, there is only one commandment they ever nailed to the cross. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because everybody still supports thou shalt not kill. Yep. Everybody still supports thou shalt not lie. Everybody supports thou shalt not um, steal. Yeah, commit adultery. Commit all adultery. The- all, of those, all of those laws. Everybody supports that. Everybody, every Christian supports thou shalt have no other gods before me. There's only one commandment that anybody ever hates. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they use it as an opportunity to um, uh, to uh, to nail the whole law to the cross, and that is the fourth commandment. Now, I just need to mention that we have an answer to the quiz. Ooh. Let's see if they got it right. Matthew from Gosford has sent an answer in, and his answer is Mark. Matthew from Gosford, that is... Sure. Hello, Matthew. Uh, are you there? Hi, guys. Hey, How's Matthew. Yes. So I understand you have an answer to the quiz. Uh, well, that's a very good that's a very good try there, Matthew, and we appreciate you giving a call in. Unfortunately, it's not Mark. <laughs> well, you'll have to uh, somebody else is going to have to try again. So um, you've at least wow, you've, you've, you, you have eliminated one of the gospels for us, and so that's made it easier for everybody else. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for calling in. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. you have a great day, mate. Have a good day. Catch ya. All right. So, getting back to where we were talking about here before, um, in relationship to the law of God, why do you think it is that um, really only one of the Ten Commandments ever gets nailed to the cross? I think it's because it's uh, it's very it's very convenient <laughs> to get rid of that one. I mean, uh, ones like you know, for example, do not murder, do not commit adultery. Those are pretty cut and dried. Most people... Yeah, I think if you tried to get rid of those, there would be a lot of opposition to it. Yes, I think most people are more than happy for us to keep these ones. But uh, it seems that uh, the fourth commandment, uh, it it appears to be quite inconvenient for a great number of people. Uh, And I suppose just to jog the memory of our listeners at home, the fourth commandment, uh, you can find it in Exodus chapter 20, uh, is to... Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you nor your son, your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger that is within your gates. For uh, in six days the Lord made heaven, earth, the sea, and the fountains of waters and everything in it. All right, you show off. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's Exodus. I'll, I'll do uh, Genesis 1-1 for you if you want. No. <laughs> uh, but, but interestingly, uh, speaking of Genesis... Uh, there are only two institutions that God gives before sin ever enters the world that we find in Genesis, uh, and that is Sabbath and marriage. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of people will say, you know, well, uh, everything after the after, everything after given after sin enters the world is, you know, a shadow or like symbolic of pointing towards Jesus. And so, once Jesus dies on the cross, everything is nailed to it. Yes, but the Sabbath is one of those things that was. Uh, instituted before sin ever entered the world, yes. uh, which I find incredibly fascinating. Um, and I don't think it's any mistake that God says uh, in Exodus 20, remember it. It's the one commandment that begins with the word 
remember as though we were going to forget it at one point. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And, and remember is also a reminder, a reminder of something that's been there since creation as well. Remember mm. I created back at creation. This, yeah, um, yeah. This whole thing of uh, of the Sabbath commandment. Okay, so some wonder whether they, uh, you know, the, well, there's, there's, there's really two issues here in Christianity with the fourth commandment because some people are say, well, you know, we've replaced Sunday with the Sabbath. Um, and so there's a question there as to whether we can change the law of God or not. Um, there's another there's another question that sort of comes up in my mind, and that is about how we keep the Sabbath because yeah, you know, God is quite specific um, in in the uh, in the Ten Commandments. He says it's a day of rest. Mm. Um, in other places in the Bible, he says that it's a day of gathering together. Jesus' habit was to go to church on Sabbath. That's what you know, the Bible says in, in in Luke chapter four that you know went to the synagogue as his habit was on the Sabbath day, um, and so we find that. Um, we find that this is something that uh, is, you know, is quite clear in the Bible, and yet we find that even people who worship on Sunday, and largely a lot of people that worship on Sabbath as well, while they might go to church on that day, the rest of the day is treated like it's not a day of rest. It's not a yeah. day of worship. Uh, I think it's interesting uh, that God doesn't explicitly prescribe what to do on Sabbath. Uh, I think that is, again, thinking of it in relational terms, uh, think of it as like a day where you get to just spend time with God the same way you get to spend time with uh, friends or family. And so when it comes to that, you know, you don't want to have like a laundry list of things that you want to do. Like this is the set standard of what we want to do. Uh, it's personal and it's intimate. And I think it is. In, I think uh, we do need to treat the rest of the day di- different from the uh, rest of the days of the week in order to give that special time to God. Um, and so, yeah, I think God doesn't prescribe anything specifically so that we have some freedom in how we want to relate to God on that day while still keeping it holy and separate from the other days of the week, not doing any work and um, not preoccupying ourselves with things that distract us, us from God. Okay, and you, of course, if there was a change of the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday, you would expect to find that somewhere in, um, in, in the New Testament. Um, a record of that at some place. And we're going to be going to a song at this particular time, Maranatha Music, and after that, someone has called in with an answer. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be.
Music, great is your faithfulness here on Faith FM, and we have another caller who's called in with an answer to our quiz question for the day. Samuel, are you there? Yeah, hi. Hello, Samuel. What's your answer I, I, to um, today's I, quiz question? The Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke would be correct. Nicely well done. done. Congratulations. We've got a uh, free album coming back for, uh, coming out for you, so make sure you stay on the line and talk to uh, Marta and Rochelle, and they will get your details so that you can uh, get that free offer right there. Congratulations. Okay, so moving along with our, um, our program that we have here for today, and we have... Uh, we're talking about the law of God. We're talking about mm. the Sabbath at this particular time. Is there any record anywhere in the New Testament that the day of worship was changed? If there is, I am yet to have found it, and <laughs> I, I, it's not there. You, there is no reference to it. Okay, so if we go to John chapter 20, um, and sometimes people have taken me to John chapter 20, and uh, verse 19 through 23. Let's look at this passage here very quickly. And people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 it's here. It's right here. And just, Jesus changed it when he was resurrected. Well, let's, why, why don't we read what it says? John chapter 20, why don't you read for us verse uh, 19 through 23. This little story right here. Sure. So it says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw their Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Okay, so um, clearly we have a worship service taking place here on the first day of the week, right? Ooh. They're gathered together for a worship service. That's what their purpose is in the upper room? That sounds like it. Oh, what's going on? <laughs> nah. Well, I think uh, even in the uh, book of Acts you hear about uh, daily uh, collections that happened, like offering well, collections. We're going we, to go there. Oh, yeah, I skipped ahead. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let me point out for you the reason that they were gathered together on the first day of the week. Mm-hmm. In verse 19, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for what reason? For fear. Worship. Oh, 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 no, it wasn't for worship. It was for fear. Just when you thought there was a worship service happening, they were scared. So this is what the disciples were doing on the first day of the week. They were 
hiding. Yeah. Now, certainly they worshipped God on the first day of the week, <coughs> but their purpose for being there was to hide. Yeah. Um, there is nothing here about having a worship service on the first day of the week whatsoever at all. Okay, so Acts chapter 20, verse 6 and 7. In fact, the first day of the week is mentioned in only nine places in the Bible. Oh, wow. Whereas the Sabbath is mentioned more than any other commandment, and Jesus spent more time talking to the Pharisees about the Sabbath than any other subject. And in none of those occasions, that gives you a lot of occasions for God to have changed it if he wanted to or to have done away with it. But none of them does. So let's go to Acts chapter 20. And would you like to read for us verse 6 and 7, please? Sure. It says, uh, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week... Oh, yes, yes, yes. Of course. Sorry. I was... Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, Never mind. Uh, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. And in verse 8, there were many lights in the upper chamber and where they were gathered together and they were sitting in the window, a certain young man named Eutychus who went to sleep and fell out and killed himself from three stories high. Solid story. <laughs> yes, it would be a very, very sad story, except for then Paul goes down and raises him back to life. Now, this is a story that would probably not have been recorded in the Bible, except for the story of Eutychus who went yeah, to sleep yeah. in church. Uh, because this is the kind of thing that Paul did wherever he went. Okay, so let me ask you this question. What part of the day were they worshipping on? Daytime or nighttime? Uh, looks like towards the end of the night, because it says he prolonged it till midnight. I don't know. He, he must have been preaching for a long time if he started it's a, at a... Here's the historical background. They, these people in Troas had been, it had been revealed to them through prophecy that they would never see Paul again. Okay. And so they're hanging on every word that he says. They have their worship service on Sabbath, but then it continues, the Bible says, into the night, which is the first day of the week, because the first day of the week uh, begins yes. at sundown. Yes. The, 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 the Jewish day, the Christian day, went from sunset to sunset, not mm. from midnight to midnight. And so the first day of the week has now begun, the sun has gone down, and uh, Paul continues to preach, and he's rather long-winded, and someone's sitting in the window, and they go to sleep, and they kill themselves, and then Paul raises them back to life. Mm. So that's uh, that's why the story is there. I, th I think, uh, interestingly, even without uh, uh, an understanding of that context, it's very easy to just say, well, I have uh, a lot of churches have prayer meetings on Wednesdays. Yeah. The Bible commands you to worship God every day. Yeah. It's that simple. That's it, yeah. There is a very big difference between worshiping on a day and having a day of worship. Yes. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That is very, very important. Very, very big difference. And here they are worshipping on a day. They are not having a day of worship. The Bible is very clear about that because the Bible says that when, when Eutychus was raised back to life, they went back upstairs and Paul preached all the way through until the sun came up and then he hiked 27 kilometers out to catch his next ship out to the port. Ooh. That's not exactly having a day of worship. No. <laughs> that is worshipping on a day. Yes. And so this is what is happening here in Acts chapter 20. And of course, there's no command here to worship on the first day of the week. No. The Bible outlines for us the Sabbath. Okay. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 1 and 2. Would you like to read that one for us? Sure. This so, is your last chance, by the way, if you want to find anywhere in the Bible that tells us we should worship on the first day of the week. So 1 Corinthians 1, verses chapter 16. 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you are also to do. 
On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. So there you've got people going through church and take a, taking up an offering so they must be at church on the first day of the week, right? Sounds like it. What's going on, Lyle? <laughs> well, that's not actually what you read. Ah. Please read verse 2 again. All right, I will. Verse 2 says, On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. Okay, wait a minute. Put something aside and store it up. Are they taking up an offering on this day? No, or are they putting something aside and storing it up? It's putting something aside. And they're doing it on a regular occasion on the first day of the week. In fact, the Greek here indicates that they are to be at home on this day. Mm-hmm. So what would they be doing at home on the first day of the week? Shouldn't they be at church? It sounds like they're just chilling. <laughs> and why would they be just chilling? Shouldn't they be working if they're at home? Isn't this a work day then if it's not... Why would they have this day off? Mm, here's an interesting mm. thought. This was a uh, this was Corinth. This was a pagan city, not a Christian city. Uh-huh, yes. And of course, no pagans worshipped on the first day of the week because that was the venerable day of the sun. And so Christians who worshipped on Sabbath ended up with a two-day weekend, just like we have today. Uh-huh. You wondered where it came from. There you have it's your not bad. origin. Absolutely. So there is no passage anywhere in the Bible where actually commanded to be at home on the first day of the week. Well, we're going to move on with our show and we're going to listen to Human Nature. People get ready. There's a train coming You don't need no baggage And just to get on board All you need is faith On the diesel humming You don't need no ticket No, no, just thank the Lord There's a train coming You don't need no baggage Just to get on board All you need is something To hear the diesel humming You don't need no ticket Just thank the Lord And people get ready For the train to join
get ready. People get ready. Come on, people. People get ready. Oh, oh. people get ready. People get ready. People get ready. People get ready. Come out here, people. People get ready. Oh, people get ready. exist? Is there anyone out there? And is God for real? As an atheist for years, my answer to those questions was no. But since then, I've had to reconsider the evidence. Evidence that points to a God of reason, science, love, and hope. I'm inviting you to discover these answers for yourself in my exciting new series entitled, Is God for Real? Beginning 7pm Friday, February 23, at the Walls End Seventh-day Adventist Church. Visit isgodforreal.com.au for more details. That's isgodforreal.com.au Welcome back to Faith FM. You're with Neil Thompson on Love Matters. And today I just want to read something to you um, from Psalm 90. And I want to talk to you about the power of secrets. Psalm 90 and verse 1 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men to dust and say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night you carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep, and in the morning when they grow up like the grass but uh, and they flourish, but in the evening it withers and it's cut down. And here's the verse I want to reflect on, the couple of verses 7 and 8 in Psalm 90. For we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath we're terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. And here it is. Here's the thought. Now, when you unpack verse 7, and it sounds really, really horrible, you know, for we're being consumed by your anger. When you actually look at what those words are actually saying and meaning, this is what it actually is saying. It says, for we've been consumed by the flare of your nostril. And the word there, consumed, means we've been brought to an end. And by your wrath or by your, the, your hot face, we've been terrified. And another translation of that same word would be alarmed or disturbed. I like to think of it this way, that what this verse is actually talking about is that God, God's 
flaring of his nostrils, his turning of his face in, in many other places. Scripture says God turns his face from us and, and wants to try and get our attention. And why is he wanting to do that? Because God is wanting to disturb us. And my message today, thinking about faith, um, thinking about family matters and love matters, is that, okay, maybe God needs to disturb us. Maybe God needs to disturb us and to rattle those secret sins in our life, those things which are coming between us and our partner, between us and our children. And what God wants to do, he wants to disturb those things. He wants to reveal those secret sins to us right now. So that instead of those things becoming a wedge in a family, a wedge in a home, that they're actually dealt with, that they're actually brought out into the open. You see, researchers have actually looked at secret sins and secrets in families and the power of secrets and how it can actually destroy a home and destroy loving relationships because someone is keeping a secret. Someone is keeping something from the others. And, and little by little, it starts to change the dynamics in a home, the dynamics in a family. But it's not just that. It's not just the dynamics in a home. It's also the dynamic in terms of our relationship with God and our relationship with all others. The power of secrets when there is something that is so precious to you that you want to hide that away and yet you know it's self-destructive. You know that it's actually not a good thing for you, but you keep doing it. For some men, this might be the attraction of pornography. For, for ladies, it might be um, a similar thing because that's becoming um, more and more common for ladies today. But whatever it is, whatever that secret thing is, know that if you keep on being attracted to it and allow that to dominate in your life, that will create more and more of a wedge in your home and in your family, in your life. And what God wants to do, He wants to disturb you. He wants His... L- you know, the look of his face to, to as he looks at you to wake you up and to get you alarmed, to get you disturbed, to so that you, you actually realize that, wow, my pathway down this is actually going to be self-destructive and destructive to those I love. For some, it might be the temptation of flirting at the office with someone, or it might be, you know, um, an an inappropriate relationship which has the potential to become so much more and that secret thing if you were to harbor that and to cultivate thoughts around that would become deeply self-destructive deeply self-destructive and not just for you for for others in your life for your children for your extended family for your friends who are impacted by your thoughts now the bottom line is that um, that what God wants to do, he wants to bring that out into the light and the open so that we can actually find help, find healing and move on from that. Well, this is a really big topic. I wish we could unpack it even more. But um, that's all we have time for today. But what I really want you to do, I just want you to think that secrets are destructive. Talk about it, let it out in the open, deal with it. And in really healthy ways, and you'll discover that the Lord will bless you and and bring healing to you and to those you love. We'll stick around on Faith FM. We've got so much more coming up right after this. Thy strength indeed is small 
Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow.
crusted white as snow. You've been listening to Fernando Ortega, Jesus Paid It All. And now we have maybe my favorite segment of the breakfast show that we have here, and that is our Q&A section, where you listeners send us in a question, and we do our best to answer it. Mm. And today we have a very interesting question, Lyle. Buckle from Sam- up. From, from, from Samuel. Yes, from Samuel. Question from Samuel. All right. Okay. What's our question for today? Well, Samuel has asked us, why is it that John the Baptist baptized people when there is no reference to baptism in the Old Testament? Now, that's a really good question, you, you know, and, and, and there's obviously something uh, that is new that is starting here for the Christian church. The first thing that comes to my mind is this. Is it wrong for something new to be instituted within Christianity or within God's the, the worship of God? Can't think of any reason? No, of course not. There's, and, you know, you've got the communion service and other things that are obviously uh, new ceremonies and new services that are instituted. However, there are links between baptism and the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, there were a number of uh, ritual washings that a person would perform um, as a result of becoming uh, unclean. And they had a very practical purpose as well. It's always important to uh, wash yourself after, um, you know, if you've had a disease or something like this to to maintain cleanliness. Cleanliness was always an important thing. But there was a spiritual aspect to this cleaning as well. And even if you look into the sanctuary service, in the courtyard of the sanctuary service, you had a large bowl of water called the laver where the priests um, could wash and the sacrifices could be washed. And so uh, both literal physical cleanliness and Spiritual symbolic cleanliness was very, very important in the Old Testament. And so there are, there are echoes of baptism coming through from there. Now, of course, the Jews took this a little bit further and uh, they created a, uh, a, a system called Tevila. Um, and those who speak Hebrew and so forth are going to murder me for my pronunciation of the <laughs> word, but that's okay. Um, which was a Jewish purification ritual of immersing in water. And so this really takes place during the Second Temple period, um, you know, Solomon's Temple, and particularly during the intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. This was something that became quite large and quite popular. And so if you go, for instance, uh, a popular place to visit in Israel today would be Qumran. We go to Qumran because that was where the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, and because they were discovered there, archaeologists have done extensive excavation on the um, settlement that actually made those Dead Sea Scrolls, and you can see the um, the large mikvah that is there, where like it's a large water tank where um, the people who were making those scrolls could cleanse themselves. They would walk down into the water. They would fully immerse themselves. They would walk back up out of the water. And so this is very, very similar now to what John the Baptist was doing. Mm. And so there are echoes coming down all the way through Judaism, um, all the way to um, to John the Baptist, where you can see these kinds of concepts, these kinds of teachings being practiced in a similar way. They are not the same. Mm. And so the tevila um, was something that you could do you know, several times a day, uh, whereas baptism was supposed to be something that you would only do once. And uh, John even says uh, in, uh, in the Gospel of John, 
He says, I come and baptize with water, but the one who comes after me will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Yes. And we understand that John was preparing the way for the Messiah, who was Jesus. And yes. so this new ritual or uh, rite that he is now performing has a greater spiritual significance uh, as Jesus is coming to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Yes, and so there's many um, connections to the Old Testament, but this is a new um, ceremony that has been instituted by John the Baptist and, of course, picked up by Jesus and the followers of Jesus as we now move into the New Testament period and is practiced by immersion today. We're going to listen to Melissa Otto, You Will Never Leave. Melissa, Let me try that again. That was Melissa Otto. 
You'll never leave. At the end of our show, we always come to that part of the show where we get to give something away, and that's always exciting. So you need to be the first caller through if you want to find out, if you want to receive the free offer for today, and if you want to find out what it is, then Christopher is about to tell you exactly what our free offer for today is. What All have we got right righty. There? We have a book called Surviving Grief. Now... I've had a look through the chapters uh, of this book, and it is a book detailing all the different ways in which people experience grief. So, okay, for example, right. men and women grieve differently. Adults and children grieve differently. Mm-hmm. And then the circumstances of the loss will uh, impact that as well. And so it's a book to help people navigate uh, this intense emotional period that many people face in their lives and how to navigate through it. Should we say every person faces in their life numerous times? Exactly, yes. So nobody's ever going to be immune from grief. And while you might think, well, I've never actually, you know, some people actually have never have lost someone. That's, have you ever lost someone close? Uh, not since I've been at a old age for it to have a huge impact. Only when I've been a younger, but yes. Yeah. And, and so, you know, everybody experiences this and everybody deals with it in different ways. And sometimes grief is not always about losing uh, someone to death. Mm. Um, somebody it's losing a f- sometimes it's losing a friend that is a friendship is broken up sometimes a divorce there is grief involved in a divorce sometimes it's losing a job. Grief is dealing with loss yes. Uh, and it's a small little book, just under 100 pages, an easy read, and it's got uh, topics such as coping with private grief, uh, misplaced guilt, uh, it touches on anxiety and loneliness, uh, responsibility. Uh, it is a really detailed book, and I think it'll be an invaluable resource to anyone, any of our listeners at home who want to claim this. Okay, so if you want to receive the free offer today, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, or send us a text message at 0491064669, or send us a message on to our Facebook page, and be the first one through. So hurry and be quick, and you can receive this book right here, very, very valuable book on dealing with grief. Now, of course, you're listening to the live show, and if you are struggling with the signal somewhere, then listen to us online at faithfm au, or by using our TuneIn app if you want to listen to us in the car through your car radio simply use your phone and run it through your car radio um, and find Faith FM Australia right there and of course if you're listening to the delayed broadcast and you would like to be part of the live broadcast then the online or via the app is the way to go we have more great programming coming up right after this we love your company in the mornings don't go anywhere and we will be back again tomorrow morning with some more amazing and refreshing and positive different radio as we start off a new day it's going to be tomorrow
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Meditation 